This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. First offense. All the mix. Okay, party people in the house. You're about to witness something you've never witnessed before. What is going on? I'm Rob Fay. Welcome to your Monday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It is the first day in November. Turn that calendar. I know what you're thinking. You're going to start your diet right now because, you know, two months away from... Don't even bother, man. Just make it a lifestyle change, would you? I'm talking to myself. Anyways, let's get to a very cool show today. If you're a Vancouver Canuck fan, I don't know where I'm going with this. If you're a Vancouver Canuck fan, you want to stay tuned because Rob Simpson of Fan Hockey Now, he's become our Monday insider, and he's been fantastic to us. He was down at the arena a little bit earlier today, getting all the goodies on the likes of Tyler Mott and Travis Hamannick and all things Canuck. So, uh, yeah, why sit around and listen to me garble on? Let's get you to that one man that will stop by and fill in all the blanks. Let me get you to the headliner. The game heads to the break, and just as you get ready to call the waitress over for your next round, the lights go down, the music stops, and the DJ looks around like the power just went out. Suddenly, a spotlight shines to the front of the bar, and the doors open. No way. The headliner has arrived. Every Monday, we are joined by Van Hockey Now star, the insider extraordinaire. Actually, I don't think he likes being called the insider. Rob Simpson of Van Hockey Now joins me. How are you, Robert? Yeah, I know that insider term gets thrown around a lot. I, I, I think you have to work for the league or, or with a team to really be an insider, but, which I have been in the past, but right now I'm just you know a full-time reporter. The old fly on the wall, as they call them. Yes. It has been such an interesting start to the season. There was expectations that maybe Jim Benning had finally realigned this team. Uh, Travis Green had an extension. They finally got EP40, and they got Quinn Hughes in-house, and life was good in Connect Nation for about seven games. Before <laughs> we get into the Travis Hamannick and Tyler Motts of the world, what the hell is going on? No finish. I was joking the other day, not enough finish with one end. We maybe bring back some finish with two ends, like a Usi Jokinen, who had, you know, 10 points in 14 games back in 17-18 and then went back to Europe. And actually, Jokinen just retired from hockey altogether this past May. But, you know, joking aside, it really is the high-end offensive players contributing. Um, and maybe Brock Besser getting that goal with five seconds left in the loss to the Edmonton Oilers will help him psychologically. It must have felt good to go top shelf, regardless of when it happens in the game and regardless of the result of the game. Those high-end guys had not been doing enough. Um, Elias Pettersson had looked discombobulated. I was concerned about the physicality factor, but I think they had a bounce-back effort. And five on five, they, five on five, they were the better team against Edmonton. Um, had some glorious chances. Um, Miko Koskinen had some puck luck working his way and you give the Edmonton Oilers a couple power play chances and boom, boom, it's in your net. And it took a pretty lucky break for the second one to get there. So just the way that's hockey. You know what? Obviously the fan base here is on Jim Benning. They're on Travis green and there isn't a lot of margin for error. Would it be fair to say that maybe they're not as bad as they look and it just happens to be the uh, the old case of they're not getting the bounces? Or is this team a step slower than almost everybody that they've played? I, I'm, I'm going to have to take, because I've seen this, witnessed this from a lot of perspectives um, as an insider, as you refer to it, with different clubs and around the league before, 
that the first 10, 20 games of the season in particular are really difficult to get a read. Now, it's not difficult to get a read on the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> but when it comes to a team like the Vancouver Canucks, when you've brought in so many new bodies, when you've rearranged things, when you've had situations like Travis Hamanick, a right shot defenseman who's supposed to be one of your top four who now is just coming back, and you can go, we can go through the list. It's really hard to say, okay, this is it in concrete. Boom, this is how it's going to look. This is our issues. These are our problems. I think the problems and, and, and the positives are going to continue to morph here for this hockey team, and we'll see that shortly. Not to discount the importance of this game against a very good New York Rangers team on Tuesday night, but I still think this is a work in progress for Travis Green as he continues to juggle lines, as he now works with different D pairings. I'd just like to give it a little bit more time to see how, how this unfolds. There, there's some positives. They, they've taken some steps in some of the areas, and that's where I'm going to leave it in terms of saying, oh, woe is me, let's panic and shut this thing down. I don't think so. The glass half empty guy would say that Arizona and Vancouver have the same home record so far this year. No one three. That's true. Yeah, that well, very true. That's that's the very uh, typical glass half empty Canuck fan. But that's, you know, that's worse than that's worse than half empty, Rob. That's like that's that's empty. That's the straw making for noise because there's no sauce <laughs> left in the glass. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Travis Hamanick. I don't know how much he got into it today. Of course, you were the eyes and the ears that were in the arena. Did he mention beyond just, you know, maybe the standard form letter, anything that had gone on behind the scenes as to where he's been and what was going on? He did. He's not going to detail the specifics. He, he sounded emotional. So he's talking to the media, he's speaking to us. He's, he's, he made a statement first, thanking the organization for their understanding, pointing out that the team is indeed a family and his teammates and management had been very, very supportive through this. The rumor part about vaccination. He's fully vaccinated. He's gone through protocols. He's ready to play hockey. My question for him, which I believe was the third question after he had talked about, made a statement and then talked about, I'm going to keep the private family issue, a private family issue. Have an, I, I obviously, and, I, and no one else should really have take issue with that. That's his personal business. Um, I just said, ultimately then when can and should you be playing hockey for the Vancouver Canucks? And he said, you know what? That's Coach Green, the staff decision. I'm ready to go. I played down with Abbotsford. I've been skating. I skated today. I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's go. And um, so that's the status on him. In terms of the anti-vaxxer rumors, not the case. Dude's ready to go. He's vaccinated. That's all just stuff that the baggage that comes in the modern social media world with a guy who sits out. We were all guilty of it at one point, never described it as fact, but did make reference to the rumors that this guy might have political reasons. And he says, nope, not the case. It was a personal private matter. And that is something that Jim Benning, the general manager of the Canucks, has been saying all along. Well, you know what? Then I got to give a feather in the cap to Jim Benning because there was a lot of people circulating it and a lot of in the know guys in this city that were putting some pretty heavy tweets out talking about that. And Jim Benny never bit. He never took the bait in the water. He always just said, you know, it's a family matter, a personal matter, which just goes to show you that they do know more than they let on. And um, I'm actually glad that that's the case because I would hate to see Hammonick getting the, you know, the rebuke of the fans here in Vancouver. If anything, I'm glad that now we could just move on with that. 
Another guy that I've always kind of liked, I, I like him more for the effort, and I just I think he brings something to the table, is Tyler Mott. And one of the things that Vancouver, as I mentioned to you, Rob, early on, that's been a bit of a problem is it feels a little slow. It feels a little like the skate blades are in molasses at times. Tyler Mott is not a guy that plays that style. So is it that reckless abandon that maybe is the spark plug that Vancouver would need coming out of this early season funk? Yes, it's nice to have that type of player around, physically reckless almost. I mean, and the injuries prove it. The shoulder in early 2020 that knocked him out for a while, and now neck. Very honest guy came right out and said, I'm going to tell you what's going on. I had, he showed us his scar. He had a scar on his mm. neck. Now, I've had lower lumbar, like third or fourth disc from the bottom, disc, half a discectomy 25 years ago, and it never, there was no repercussions. That area is much safer than your cervical, which is up top, uh, in your neck area. That, that always makes you a little bit nervous. He showed us the scar. They came in through the front and cleaned up something in the back. Uh, and he says he's fine. He's 100% and he's ready to go. But you go from the shoulder, you go to this neck issue, and he's been patient. He, he took a real positive approach to the whole thing. He said, you know, I, there could, people have been, during COVID, living, sitting in their 900-square-foot apartments going batty. Least I've had an opportunity to you know come back and, and regenerate myself and get ready for playing hockey again. So, yeah, he's a pen, he's a guy who can penalty kill. He's a guy who's physical. He's a spark plug. So you throw him out there. You've got a Connor Garland type player. The Canucks can always use a little bit more of that. So welcome back, Tyler Mott. And we appreciate his honesty. So you look at the Vancouver Canucks for everything that they've been through. They're still looking for their first home win. I don't know much about the Rangers because, you know what, I don't usually look at the East Coast teams the way that I do the West. I guess it's just the bias of the conference that we're in. But you look at the opportunity maybe just to get that one game, that one victory, the proverbial monkey off the back, and you almost feel like this is a team that's got the floodgates there, that you feel that they could just as easily go on a six, seven game run as they have scuffled through the first seven seasons. You look at certain teams and you say, you know what, that's never going to happen. Like I look right now, for example, at Phoenix, they are what they are. But I feel like if you're around the team the way you are, that there's still this energy that they have. Like they're not defeated. If anything, they're frustrated and that can be overcome. Yeah, and they had a very lively, energetic, upbeat uh, practice today. So, you know, it's a Monday practice, by the way, you mentioned the Rangers, they're in the building right now, and this will hit in the afternoon, us talking, but, um, 2 PM Pacific time practice for the New York Rangers. Who's been very good coming off a three, one win Sunday night against the Seattle crack. And, and they're kind of rolling along and they're getting great goaltending from, uh, Sesh Turkin. <laughs> Not bad, uh, not bad. But, but the uh, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the Canucks were upbeat. Their, their roster's coming together. A couple other notes. Oliver ekman Larson took practice off today. He's a very physical player, and he's a veteran, and, and that will be described as a maintenance day. Um, Jack Rathbone was sent down to Abbotsford. He's a player that's eligible to go up and down without waivers because he's within that early career range. And now you have essentially with Hamannick around five right shot defensemen where we didn't have enough right shot defensemen. Now they have five and now they don't have enough left shot defensemen because <laughs> if you take Rathbone out of the equation and you don't move somebody over, uh, you've got Hughes, OEL and Brad Hunt. Um, I think they'd rather have an option on that third pairing. So, but in terms, just to kind of bring it full circle and on your comment there. Yeah. They're, they're not down. They're not really feeling that they've lost three one goal hockey games, two of them. They probably could have won or maybe even should have won. So um, 
They do need to turn a corner, though, against a very good Rangers team. This is going to be a challenge. Travis Green is a guy who, and I've been reading this in social media, I really shouldn't. I mean, I should stick to just, you know, what we see on the ice. But a lot of people say that he is coaching a style that this team is not. Have you seen anything to that? I mean, it's the job of the general manager and the coach to work together to plug the personnel into the systems that you want to run. I mean, obviously, in, in all cases, those two entities have to be jo- you know, in sync, mm-hmm. right? Um, the idea is to play an aggressive, upbeat, four-check style of hockey, very north-south. I mean, that's the way he tries to view it. Um, guys like Mott and Garland acting as cal- catalysts and then utilizing that high-end talent like Elias Pettersson and in, in, in your transition game or you know create turnovers and go, go, go. Um, are they coach, is he coaching away from the talent that he has? Not necessarily. I think they're still trying to mold that roster and that lineup to fit. And they're also just trying to get these guys kind of off the schneid. Mm-hmm. I mean, Patterson was discombobulated. That's the word I use. I, I was concerned about the physicality part of this after he got drilled by Colin Miller in Buffalo. Just he was not the same that game, and, I, and he was very inconsistent since that time, until the loss to the Edmonton Oilers. So I'm not sure if the personnel needs to be adjusted anymore at this point. I think it's just more the personnel that you have needs to step up its game and, and uh, score some freaking goals. I mean. 3-2 lost to Minnesota. There's two goals and then one goal games for against Philadelphia and Edmonton. Not going to get it done. Where it comes up, Rob, for coaching, special teams. Uh, the power plays lacked. Struggling. And the penalty kill, same story. And they have brought in different assistant coaches to address that. And hasn't clicked entirely in the first nine games. Rob, let's pull the lens back here. Talk a little bit more about just generalized hockey. I know we've covered the Canucks here, and I appreciate all the insight that you got from Rogers Arena. It has now been about a week since, I guess you would say, the the day of reckoning in the NHL with Kyle Beach and everything that's gone on. You've been watching this. What are your early returns on how the powers that be are handling this, whether it's Gary Bettman or Joe Quenville, even Don Fear with the Players Association? How do you think this has been received? I feel, generally speaking, they've done what they've had to do. I know people from that organization. I know people from that winning team in 2010 very, very well. Mike Cavill, the assistant coach, who's not presently active in the National Hockey League right now, is a very good friend of mine. Al McIsaac is a, a strong acquaintance of mine who stepped away from his position along with the general manager, uh, Stan Bowman. I was on the ice when that 2010 uh, team was presented the Stanley cup. And I spoke to the coaches and players and staff uh, on the ice during that celebration. Um, Nick Boynton, in fact, had a conversation with him, interesting guy. And one who's been a player defenseman, who's been very open about the whole situation. I mean, it's 10 years later on that I, I really, our heart goes out to Kyle, Kyle beach. First of all, but given the time that's passed, given all the considerations, they've done what they've had to do. I mean, Bowman's out, McIsaac's out, Quenville steps down or is expelled as the coach of the Florida Panthers. He can come back. I, I would think that in a year from now, Q at the start of next season will probably reapply. Um, they're going to scratch the 
name of Brad Aldrich, the video coach, off the Stanley Cup in 2010. I can guarantee you that. I know those people very well. That That's just a matter of how long they can take to get it to the engraver or the scratcher. Yeah, I, Kevin Shoveldayoff, who was an assistant GM at the time, is now the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets. Apparently, according to Gary Bettman, was the only guy honest to the point of saying, yes, I was in the meeting, where everybody else was like, oh, I'm not sure if I was in that meeting. Mm. <laughs> and maybe for being honest, he gets to continue in his role as the Jets GM. I so, have, dude, I, I have said that for years, and, and it goes across all sports. For example, in baseball, if you did the juice, say you did the juice, ask right. for forgiveness, and usually fans will come around on you. But those yep. who stick to it, they're the yep. ones that get dragged through the mud. So I can see how the NHL might have shown a little bit of leniency, even though I don't know if it's them that should be showing the leniency. Well, he's not. he wasn't the decision maker in this case. And, and, and also having known that organization very well and having some dealings with it, I will just say one thing and I'll say it five times. John McDonough, John McDonough, John McDonough, John McDonough, John McDonough. That's where it begins and ends for me. And he is a, was the president of the organization and the team, the wonder man who came over from the Cubs. Um, ultimately, it lies with him, I feel, uh, from my past experience and knowledge. So, and he was relieved of his, conveniently for him, was relieved of his duties, uh, I guess, about a year and a half ago. So he doesn't have to get dragged through this now, but um, he was a big part of this. What would you say is the best way to at least, and I don't want to say appease the fans because I don't think that's the right phrase for it, but that would give the fans feeling that the NHL has progressed, that they can once again trust the Shield, that right now there's a few people that are not feeling all that comfortable with them. Well, ultimately now it just comes down to the learning experience for everyone involved and for executives around the league to say, holy mackerel, if this happens again, or some, if someone approaches us and says, Hey, this is going on because let's face it, it doesn't, it's not an epidemic. It's it, like, you're not going to have these types of people in positions of power that are essentially exploiting that power and saying, you need to do this or else you're going to be in trouble because I'm a coach. I have power. Or you're not going to play hockey. I mean, it's grotesque and highly disturbing, but I don't see this going on. Uh, you know, it's like the Graham James Jr. coach situation that goes back a long ways. I mean, these things happen on rare occasions. And at the, at the NHL level, you can overreact, but ultimately it just comes down to awareness. And I would be pretty damn confident that should a situation arise in the near or distant future where a player were to say, hey, Charlie here is coercing me, that action's going to be taken. Look at, they know the repercussions if actions are not taken, mm -hmm. but just from a scumbag level, I would think executives moving forward are, are going to say, hell yeah, we're going to take, we're going to take, address something or take care of it as it happens. I think it's been a gigantic learning experience and that's the bottom line. All right, let's circle back on Vancouver and just wrap this up. We'll put a big old bow on this one. When you look at this organization who, again, had the bubble year, then they had a whole year with no fans in the stands and have finally been able to hear the roar of the crowd, what is the difference you think the Vancouver Canucks can make for the remaining portion of the season to reinstill that confidence in a fan base that, A, hadn't put eyes on them for a little while, and now that they've seen them for the first time, have kind of laid an egg to start? What would it take, <laughs> in your estimation, to finally get the confidence is it as simple as wins and losses or can there be yes. something that you can grasp onto? Nope. That's it. Wins and losses. Come on. It's simple. You got to win. 
it's like Bo Horvat said, I believe it was after the second loss to Philadelphia. He's like, you know, we want to win for these people. We want to win for the team, but we want to win for our fans. I mean, they come out, we, we haven't seen them in a while, et cetera, et cetera. We got, we got, we got to win a freaking hockey game. It's, it's that simple. And it's funny, Rob, last week you and I were talking about uh, predictions, getting predictions right and such. We didn't make a prediction on the homestand, but we did say that home ice – you know, win two thirds of your game and ex- the floor for an acceptable homestand was four, two, and one. Guess what? Mathematically impossible. Can't happen. So they, re- <laughs> they need to just win. And, 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 and like I, I pointed this out in an article the other day, it's like being down three, one in a playoff series. Your approach is one game at a time, one period at a time, one shift at a time. Well, guess what? In game 10 of the season or whatever we're at, the approach has to be the same. One shift at a time. Win a freaking hockey game at the Rogers Arena. That's what's going to restore your confidence. And then you can worry about winning a second one. See, I've been a part of teams that have been on losing streaks. And some of them, you just go to the rink in, or the, the field in my instance, and you just know you're going to lose. Yeah. But you also are on teams where you look at each other and you're like, man, this is bullshit. Like we should be better than this. Yeah. My hope is that the Canucks realize that even as bad as they've been, it's early enough in the season. They're three points out of third place. Like they can yeah. turn this around, but they got to get the horses, not just the guys on the third line that can chip one in off the ass. They got to yeah. get their big three going. No. Yep. That's it. And it brings us full circle in our conversation. Uh, because again, it's a slippery slope. We're, we're kind of at a cusp right now, Rob. We are. I mean, if they lose to the Rangers, then you're, then you're starting to step down the toboggan hill a little bit with only one foot on the toboggan. And you know how ugly that can be. You ever try to ride a toboggan with one foot? doesn't work. I had so, a crazy carpet. We couldn't afford the toboggans. <laughs> I had a disc. I had a oh, disc. Oh, I, I, too, had a disc. Which I still ride if I get a chance. <laughs> There's no snow anymore. And, um, but... Yeah, it's a slippery slope. It, it, it just comes down to getting a, a freaking W and then going from there. Because if you lose your fourth home game, uh, then, you, then, oh boy, then all sorts of different conversations start. You know, what's interesting is it's been, what, two years since we've actually had face-to-face conversations because everything's gone through Zoom and what have you. I said as an old PR guy, I didn't think they were ever going to go back to the face-to-face because Zoom was so great because a PR guy could be like three questions and I want this and they controlled the narrative. Whereas when you finally do get back in front of them, you can start to heat things up a little bit. Is it nice being back in front of these guys? I mean, we're back in front of them, but on a limited basis, they're still sitting down at a, at a chair at a table uh, talking to us as a group and they're coming in as individuals. My whole thing for decades is schmoozy, schmooze, conversation, conversation, Simmer's morning skate, whatever it might be, pulling aside Alexander Ovechkin and having a seven-minute conversation one-on-one, pulling aside Braden Holtby and having a seven-minute conversation one-on-one. Go through the list. That right now is – I can make special requests, and I have with road teams in particular, and have done these types of things, but you still have – you have to jump through more hoops to get that done at this point. So – Hopefully, as we move forward here, we'll have an opportunity to do kind of the more, hey, hey, what's up, and really get the good stuff. Because sitting at a desk at a podium is not my idea of fun 
I like to converse as opposed to have one-off questions. I was always envious of guys like you. Tony Gallagher in this market did it for years where he would, you know, pull someone into the corner like Ed Jovanovsky and they'd have a great conversation. I'd read his article and I'm like, man, I never heard that in the scrum. But the juiciest <laughs> stuff is often those personal oh, yeah. conversations. Absolutely. That's the way to do it. Awesome. Robert, thank you for this. I Don't get hit by any pucks. I hear the Rangers starting to come out just on the ice. A or... couple guys just coming out. Great conversation. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem. I get to do it because of the guru. You and I both get to do it because of the guru. The guru. So. Equity guru. <laughs> Dot guru. Beautiful. All right, Robert. Let's do this again next Monday. And uh, thank you for everything you gave to me today. Thank you very much, Rob. Well, there he is, Rob Simpson from Vancouver Hockey Now or Van Hockey Now. Make sure that you follow him at Simmer Puck on Twitter. That is S-I-M-M-E-R-P-U-C-K. A very good follow, a guy with a lot of experience, as you've heard, and now in the Vancouver market. All right, my thanks to everybody over at Equity Guru. My thanks to Chris Perry, the Guy that has given me the opportunity not just to do this show, but also a partner of Nation Extreme Wrestling. My thanks to Galen Asan and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until you and I do this again tomorrow, I'm Rob Faye. Drive safe. It's raining out there, all right? Take a little bit off of the gas pedal. Make sure that you arrive safe so that you and I can do this five times a week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I am Rob Faye. And yes, I know how to rattle off the calendar. I will see you tomorrow.